We are outdoor ladies who hunt, shoot, and fish, all while working in conservation and chasing kids. I'm Julia Plugi with the Nebraska Game and Parks Commission. And I'm Michaela Ray with the National Wild Turkey Federation. Follow us on our outdoor adventures. Hello, outdoor ladies. Welcome to the third episode of She Goes Outdoors. So, Julia, I'm really excited for this podcast because we're going to cover some history. I like learning about history. I like seeing how things were done in the past, you know, how people made waves and changed our lives, really. Um, and today we're going to focus on women who made an impact in the conservation and hunting heritage communities. I, too, am very excited about this conversation that we're going to have. Um, this past weekend at the Becoming an Outdoor Woman workshop, we had a presenter that interprets Teddy Roosevelt. He does a phenomenal job. So good. And his topic of conversation, his presentation at the, to the ladies was women in history of conservation. And when we think about back in the 1800s, we don't, you know, typically there's not a lot of, you know, there wasn't a lot of support of women leading the charge in a lot of efforts. And so just that he had a list of, and talked to us about a list of ladies that did phenomenal things for and supporting of conservation and hunting and fishing as we know it today was, um, it was really, it was a really deep thought. And so we thought we would share with you two women in history that uh, led the charge in conservation and efforts that we feel important today. Yeah. So here's how today's going to work. Julia and I both picked someone and we're going to talk to them, talk to you about them and see what you all think. So do you want to go first, Julia, or you want me to? Hey, why don't you? Tell okay, us about okay. your, your <laughs> okay, so, young lady. Well, she's not so young anymore. <laughs> but uh, today I'm going to talk about someone by the name of Phoebe Mosey. Have you ever heard about Phoebe Mosey before? You know, the name kind of rings a bell, but no, you know, maybe I haven't. So that's not what she usually goes by. Oh. Um, I have no clue who Phoebe Mosey is, I know her as Annie Oakley. Ah, yes. A lot of people know who Annie Oakley is. So if you don't know who Annie Oakley is, she's very well known for her sharpshooting skills as a woman. I'm totally jealous of her. (laughs) Yeah, my skills aren't so sharp. Maybe I could take a note from Annie. But uh, so Annie Oakley came from an incredibly poor family. She had little to no education. Her father passed away when she was really young, which put her family in hard times. And that's why she couldn't go to school. So that sucked. Um, eventually she served as a nanny to a family who had some young kids. They treated her really poorly. She actually hated her job. Um, and one weekend a traveling sharpshooter came to town and he came to a hotel to do a performance. And so they all went and watched. And while he was there, he placed a bet with the owner of this hotel in Cincinnati that he could beat anybody who came there when it came to shooting. He could outshoot anybody. So this hotel owner at the time, Annie was 15, uh, took this guy's $100 bet and put Annie up next to him. Well, as you can guess, 
he lost and he won. Um, he owed the guy a hundred dollars. And then after the competition was over, Annie and this sharpshooter actually started courting. And so <laughs> well, she beat him. Right. So maybe he was scared of her. Or something. Yeah. He's like, Oh, you know, keep your friends close and your enemies closer. Yep, type of thing. Yep. I don't know. So he married her. They got married. They never had any children, but she joined his touring company and they traveled all around the country performing different shows, sharpshooting shows. Um, and that's actually where she got the name Annie Oakley. Annie Oakley was her stage show, name. Show. Cool. And so she just became known as Annie Oakley rather than Phoebe Mosey. So um, Annie had the opportunity to perform for a lot of really prestigious people like the Queen, Queen Victoria, Ooh. the President of France. I think I read something about performing for a dignitary um, in Italy, so she became really well-known. She even made an impact when it came to females in the war. Um, she had a group of women, that, I can't remember the exact name, but there were 50 women, and they all had sharpshooting skills, and she offered up this group of women to serve as sharpshooters in the Spanish-American War. She even said they'd provide their own ammo, their own guns, everything, and the president didn't take her up on the offer. But uh, Today we would. Right? But that was like the first time a woman had ever even thought about serving in the war. So she was influential there. Um, and in her autobiography that they wrote, which they didn't find until after she had died, she wrote that she had probably impacted more than 15,000 women in the shooting sports I use the word industry. I guess I don't know if there's an industry at the time, but in the shooting sports world, she had taught more than 15,000 women how to use a gun. And the model that she lived by, which this is kind of cool, quoted was that she wanted to see every woman know how to handle a gun as naturally as they knew how to handle a baby. I like that. Me I think too. We should make a we should make a shirt, a shirt? that says that. Totally. <laughs> and, and I think it's so true. I think the more comfortable you become with whatever, you know, firearm, bow, gun, whatever you're taking out into the field, the more natural it comes, the easier it is, and the better shot you are. That's you exactly know? right. You know, we had some ladies that participated in the Become an Outdoor Woman uh, weekend, um, the, the handgun shooting workshop. You know, and there was some that, that were scared of it. And that's okay. It's it's okay to be scared. Yeah. In fact, um, you know, you're almost better off just being a little bit scared of it all the time. You remember to handle it safely. And, and that comes with that as well. But yet you want to become comfortable and know that um, it's a fun, it is a fun way to either have a shooting sports uh, competition or a hobby or for hunting purposes. And that's an amazing story that, you know, I definitely, she would have been a great BOW instructor yeah, for us. Yeah. So eventually Annie died. She got sick. She died at age 66, which is still pretty old oh, for the time yeah. that she was alive. She, I think it was her shooting skills that kept her alive. Probably. That long. Probably. Yep. And then the love of her life, her husband was so hard. They say he was so heartbroken that he died 18 days later. Oh, wow. He just couldn't eat or drink without her. Or, or she provided the food by hunting them. Um, maybe <laughs> oh, that was yeah. the case. You know, I forgot to include that. So she was trapping and hunting all before the age of eight. And she would sell the game that she caught or shot to 
like locals who would then sell the game to different hotels and restaurants. And cool. the income she brought in from that um, paid off her family's farm by the time she was 15. Wow. So that was her family contribution after her dad died. That's awesome. Yeah. So cool there's Phoebe Mosey or Annie Oakley. Hey, thanks for sharing. That's cool. So who do you have? You know, I took a little bit of a different uh, angle of outdoor woman. I miss. You know, we have conservation today as we know it, and and we have um, land that is protected, animals that are protected because going back to our ladies and gentlemen in the history, uh, even going far back is actually initiated by Teddy Roosevelt. And, um, you know, back in the day, they didn't, you know, back in the 1800s, early 1800s, they didn't care about wildlife. Um, they more cared about making money. And who cared about the birds? There's plenty full of them. There's plenty of animals. They were more interested in selling um, and making a dollar, selling that meat or selling the hide or selling the feathers. And so as I was reading up on some con you know, women in history, I came across, oh, at the time, um, an influential lady. She wasn't poor like Annie Oakley or Phoebe, I should say. <laughs> she was a she was a rich lady, but even though she had a lot of money in the 1800s, see, she still couldn't be real influential because back in the day, yeah. uh, you know, females couldn't go on the Senate floor or make yeah. a big impact without having support of a male. Right. And so she got word as this rich woman in Boston. She got word of all the birds that were being killed for to make hats. I will say these hats that you were showing me, they are quite gorgeous. They I mean, I are neat. They're neat. They're pretty. And those rich women, they wanted the biggest, most beautiful plumes in their hats. Does Teddy have some of those hats in his tent? I feel like I've seen them before. He, he does, yep, yeah. because he, he talks about that and, and controlling that. And he, Teddy Roosevelt, had a, um, a positive impact on the control of that. And so what this lady, and her name is Harriet Lawrence Hemingway. And Harriet Hemingway, uh, she notices this, noticed that all these women were wearing these feathered hats. And she started to learn that she got word of how many birds were being killed for the plumes in these hats. And she just, you know, through her history, she, she come to find out that the different populations that were being destroyed or affected by this were terns, herons, egrets, and pelicans. I mean, they're, they're large, yeah. beautiful birds, but you know, if one bird's only going to make one or two hats. So, you know, these, these hunters, um, they were, they were shooting so many birds so they can continue to make money. In fact, in the 1800s, um, a single like bird was going for $20 an ounce. Wow. An so, ounce? An ounce. $20 an ounce. That is about, so if you progress to what the dollar is worth today, that'd be a $510 an ounce. Holy crap. So you can imagine they were taking out birds everywhere totally. so that they could get rich so that the rich women of the coast the rich women of the other countries could have beautiful feathered hats so are you saying these hats are like the equivalent of like 
a rich woman wearing Prada today, Julia. That's yeah, what I'm it could be. Equal equivalent. It could be. Equal equivalent is. <laughs> <laughs> they wanted to look fancy, and so Harriet disagreed with this. She she went to her tea parties with all her all these women that were rich, these rich women, these rich wives, and started to, um, I guess, make a stink. She wanted these women to join this group and follow her against not wearing these hats with plumes. You know, some walked out. They weren't going to give up their plumes. They wanted to still look beautiful and that that was more important than protecting our wildlife. And so, you know, after a short amount of time, she did. She she got a lot of women to follow her. They, um, Harriet had a very famous husband in uh, Boston, and he was able to help her. Augusta um, Hemingway was able to help her um, with her efforts and together those two as a couple and then these other rich women in Boston were able to come up with what we know today as the Audubon Society. Oh. Yeah, and so she was the initiator of the Massachusetts Audubon Society. That's cool. Yep, and through her, you know, her donations, her support and her money, they came across, they were able to set aside at the time 43 acres uh, as a preservation, a conservation area to preserve birds. Um, and so these birds could go on this land and, and couldn't be. In fact, there was even an island that they called this Pelican Island that the pelicans could land on. Uh, no one was supposed to be able to, to shoot them on this mm -hmm. island. That was the first ever game warden protected the, protected the pelicans. And so, cool. you know, it's really cool to see, um, you know, today we do, we, we hunt waterfowl because of the conservation of uh, the population. If we don't control yep. the population, there's not they um, they will get sick. There may not be plenty of food. But you know these conservations back in the day, like Harriet was protecting these these species so that we didn't continue to eliminate. So we got to the point where there were none at all. Yep. Um, it took it took quite a while. It took a long time for to the federal charge to come along. Um, not even till like the late night, the middle 1900s did finally, it was a federal protection act, mm -hmm. but luckily she started when she did. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Women have made some like huge impacts over time. And like, sometimes I think I just need to sit down and go back through and learn about these influential women in our history because there are so many of them and it's just super cool. It is. It is. Um, and yeah, I, I'm going to continue to to investigate and and not investigate, but read up on more and how we can all be influential in our conservation on history. Awesome. Well, go out and make a difference, everybody. We can hear about your stories hopefully in the future too, and we'll see you again next week. <laughs> <laughs>